One does not simply walk into Mordor. Its black gates are guarded by more than just orcs. There is evil there that does not sleep, and the great eye is ever watchful. It is a barren wasteland, riddled with fire and ash and dust. The very air you breathe is a poisonous fume. Not with 10,000 men could you do this. It is folly. Welcome back, everybody, to Podcast of the Rings. I am here with my amazing co-host, Jessica Lynn Verde, or JLV, as the cool kids call her, baby. And yet, someone did just walk into Mordor. You know what I mean? Right. Actually, get get roasted. Get Boromir. roasted. Get dead. Boromir. Get roasted like your father, Boromir. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's up? What's up, co-host uh, Ben Goddard? We, you know what? I I say that joke, but we might we might be here to reclaim a little bit of Denethor's honor today. Well, I I don't want to say I'm a Denethor defender, but maybe a- like apologist. to a certain, maybe to a certain extent. Listen, th- these these uh, are no normal humans, right? All all three of them, Denethor, yes. Faramir, and Boromir, which the brothers were here to discuss. They've got their they got some serious burdens, and they are Boromir's part of the fellowship for a reason, and and is not a bad dude. All in all, he's just he's just fallible, like anybody, and even yeah. Denethor is. I'm I, I'm open to your uh, pro-Denethor arguments and this nuanced at- opinion. I mean, in the same way that we defend Boromir, is the same way we can kind of defend Denethor, honestly. I think we're dealing with a lot of mental illness and inadequacies. You know what I yes. mean? Yes, yes, I think yes, that's yes, yes. probably, well, me- I-, I said mental Ill- illness flippantly, but inadequacies for sure. We're dealing with a family that m- was all but king and all but royalty and had no sign that that was going to change, but also didn't have all the glory with it. Like, so there was a lot of, like, they were, they were just third wheel in the, the throne for a long time. Yeah. It, it's like, it's, it's like when you're out with a girl you have a crush on or mm. whoever you have a crush on. Well, you're and they relating al- to yourself. And they always introduce them. You, you like, Oh, this is my friend. Mm-hmm. Don't worry. He's, we're just friends. And that's what being the steward of Gondor is like, where it's like, oh, you're the steward, so you're just keeping the seat warm over there. Like you're just, you're just hanging out. I respected him because the steward, with the with the title of the steward, does come its own share of uh, hierarchy. But yeah. you're totally right. I was to flip that on its head. I was referred to as the roommate of the guy that I was sleeping with. Oh, this oh. is my roommate. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. That's tough. <laughs> Not even friend. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm not crying. You're crying. At least, like, you know, we didn't use your term. At least you didn't say, this is my concubine, Jessica. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I should make up the term. <laughs> You know what? Uh, actually, uh, we have a confirmed here that you did uh, make up the term concubine, right. and you coined it specifically for Aragorn because, yeah, that's who you are. You know, so you know why, though? Because in Dune, which I know you're a little under 
under red on jessica the is not the wife of duke leto she is the concubine yes so i think they say that in the movie because you know do they they i think when i know they (laughs) mentioned that they're not my monitor i'm really confused it looks like you have like a motion sense people can't see you but it's like following you every time do her like her bed uh (laughs) if you guys have never seen any of my streams her bed is right behind my monitor because she likes the warmth of the of my pc such a sweet and occasionally she'll just like push just like just give a big stretch and just push up against it because you know i'm not here and i don't matter <laughs> you're you no, you do matter you're giving her the warmth though exactly yeah <laughs> as long as the computer's on then 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 that's all i'm i'm here for so you must have because you have a do you have an upright pc or do you have a i've got an upright pc yeah yeah so you must have a severe hair problem in your fan oh i'm sure yeah we're just gonna ignore that for another year until it catches yep. fire Excellent. um but I, I'm sure they did clarify, like, I think Leto says in the movie, I should have married her. He says I should have married you. And I then I think when, like, the Baron is, like, you know, when he's, you know, naked in front of him, he's like, uh, your son and your concubine is dead. Or I think he says the word concubine. Um, because I, I don't know. Can the can the, the witches, whatever their name, can they Bene get Jesuits? married? They yeah, the Bene could. Jesuits. They, they could? Okay. could. Um, okay. It was more, I think it was more that the Bene Gesserit were, were basically eugenists they were Mm. uh working toward uh jessica that's why she was only supposed to give birth to a daughter yes um which is way more into into this the weeds than we need to be she could have been but i think it gave um because she was probably only supposed to give birth to a daughter they probably didn't get married in the event that leto needed to marry somebody and get an actual male heir yeah just in case like yeah exactly that that's gonna be my extrapolation so anyway concubine is not an uh, unsavory term where these jessicas are concerned it totally is but oh my gosh i saw (laughs) like i I tried to avoid the dune 2 like i saw the first dune 2 trailer then a new one just came out um this last week like fourth of july week and i was like oh let me just skip it you know if i see it before a movie you know at the amc or something i see it but i don't want to know anything about it and i yeah because you know you're already in yeah I'm already in. Like, I didn't need to see the first one. I just like to get hyped. I just like trailers. But just, like, I don't know if it was the new one I saw or the the first one because they, they seem very similar. Yeah. But, man, I saw – what did I see in IMAX? I think I saw Indiana Jones in IMAX this last weekend. Oh, my gosh, Jessica, I am so hyped for this movie. It is – it is easily my number one and possibly the most hyped I've been for a movie since maybe Avengers Endgame. And Are you that, kidding? Like, and it's, especially for like a direct sequel, it's tough to do that because like Avengers, you know, like 10 years and 20 something movies worth of, of stuff. To build but, up to that. Yeah, uh, yeah, but just a simple sequel. I honestly cannot remember the last time that I was like this excited for a movie like i have not i'm gonna read the book after the the second movie i know there's a bunch of books i know it gets absolutely insane crazy it gets Uh, insane crazy in the first one too it's yeah it hits everything i think you're right though just enjoy this you know what i mean like don't go into it and go it's shit this should have happened you'd also if you're in on the movies i think that makes sense though why you have the hype because now we know the movie's actually good. Yes. And so it gives us more to look forward to. I will say this, though, that the first movie doesn't feel like it's one movie. It feels like it's the first half of the f- one movie. It, I, 
I disagree to a certain extent because there is like somewhat of a story there, but I, I understand like in the same way people said it about Spider-Verse that just came out, you know, people, uh, what's the other example? Uh, well, like the most egregious one, I know you haven't seen Fast X. I finally saw it since it came out on VOD. It, it that if you watch just the, just watch that, Jess, if you have a chance, whenever it's sure. you know free on streaming, whatever, um, don't pay money for it, honestly. Um, and this has come from someone, and I even said this you in my review. You like this. This is the first one since Tokyo Drift that I did not see in theaters. I have seen every Fast movie besides Tokyo Drift in theaters. And this one, I'm just like, I just missed it. And then it came, it finally came on streaming. Because, like, you know, we're, the, we're about the same age. It's so weird to me still how fast movies come out on, on video. Oh, you know, it's I, I still say on video, but, you know, on streaming and demand sure. and whatever it's called now. Because, like, do you remember, like, that that ether movies went into? They, they'd be in theaters for longer than they are now. That's totally fair. But then for, like, six months, you they just, just the disappear. And then just one day it would just be on your blockbuster shelf. And you'd be like, oh, yay, I can watch it again. Like the Matrix, I saw the Matrix. I think twice in theaters, oh, wow. and I was, you know, I was like ten, and so I couldn't just go see it a bunch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And so it was like ten or eleven, and and then just like when it disappeared, it disappeared forever, you know, for however long. And then when it came out on VHS, I I wore that thing out, but now it's just like it it's so fast and crazy. But yeah, just like the way that movie ends is so insane. And like, there's nothing like because Spider, you knew it says Dune Part One, and when it opens, yes, it did. It initially the Spider Verse, it said across the Spider Verse Part One, and then they changed it to across the Spider Verse, and then the next one's gonna be beyond the Spider Verse. So they changed that. Interesting. So there was a little bit of that, but they kind of did hide it a little bit. So I understand mm. people's frustration, but it's still a full story and a cliffhanger, which I think Dune is as well. But Fast X was in like ridiculous. Like it'd be one thing if it was a TV show and you have to wait a year for a new season. You don't do that with movies. It was wild. I would. I'm with you on that. So I, I can extrapolate based off of what you're saying. It's it's almost unfair. Actually, to your point about VODs coming out, I am on hind legs waiting for Guardians of the Galaxy because I didn't see it in theaters. I I, I, te- I was almost texting you because I saw I saw that it's coming out on VOD soon and I need you to watch I it. I thought it was ASAP. I thought it was coming out on the seventh. I misremembered. Alex thought it was coming out on the se- so we're dying. I've never been so it's not until aware. August, right? It's not till August, and I've never been so aware as to when a movie's going on VOD. So I'm I'm right and there, and that's good. Like I'm yeah, glad it's because it's making money in theaters. Uh, you know, my friend Dan Merle does a, a box Ooh. office show, and it just dropped out of the top ten box office domestically. Really? After nine weeks in the top ten. Oh, so and it's still in theaters then. It's and still in theaters, or at least like let me. I'll look up. Let me look at my probably AMC those right like five dollars theaters. Yeah, and like I mean, I think it's still there, and it's just like. What did I see the other day? Asteroid City, the new Wes Anderson movie. Oh, I can't movie. wait to see that. That's coming out, I think, next week on VOD. No. And two weekends ago was like its highest, like the highest grossing that uh, Wes Anderson's like ever had. Yeah, let me see. Uh, let's see. So that's a long way to say like theater yep. releases aren't dead. 
No, and I can go see Guardians at 8.45 tonight at the Burbank Mall if I wanted to. Well, you know what? I might just go drag my old man to go do that. And I don't mean my father. I mean Alex. So, speaking of old men. Yeah, I like I like the, the segue. Thank you. I think you. it worked. Uh, Boromir and... Do you say Faramir or Faramir? Faramir. That's what I say, too. I feel like I've been corrected. Or maybe finally Alex has gotten to me and I say Faramir as opposed to Faramir. Is there a play of words there? <laughs> oh, is it that he's fair? Or or yeah, and then boar is like boar boorish. Is there something to that? Probably I think not. not boorish and like boring, but like I think of like boars and like the animal. That's what I like more stronger mean. and like mm. I, I I could see it. I, I definitely could see it. So it, we I don't we haven't talked about a human yet because I don't think we we did Aragorn or did we we didn't even do we haven't even done Aragorn. Yet. We haven't done Aragorn yet. So. It was smart for you to suggest that we do them both because they both take up different parts of the story without overlapping too much. Yes. And they equal one character, although they are very different. So do you have any like initial thoughts or history to share about the bros or are, what what's I mean, just I everyone knows who they are. But just as a refresh course, Oh man, my autocorrect ruined. Um, oh, no. Give me a second to Google it because my autocorrect ruined. uh Boromir and Faramir's mother's name, um, which is uh, Fendulis. Uh, Fendulis uh, died when uh, gave birth to both, obviously Boromir and Faramir, and died when Boromir was ten and Faramir was five. Uh, since Boromir was heavily favored by his father, uh, Faramir was a mama's boy. And, you know, I guess like in the traditional sense, that's why maybe he's more sensitive and more in tune to knowledge and less to, to battle and stuff like that. Not, but n nothing to scoff at in battle. No, not, not, not like in a bad way at all. And like, but like I'm, uses I, a little more emotional reasoning. Yes. Than, and there's right. an amazing quote that I want to save to the end that just like Nerd of the Rings, just amazingly ended this video. It's so great. Um, but uh, Boromir, it didn't give me Faramir's uh, measurements, but Boromir is six foot four inches tall. So uh, how tall is Aragorn? Is Aragorn height? Six, six. So Boromir, he's right there. <laughs> got, a, got a short man's complex against Aragorn. Hey, no, no, no. Okay. We're, you know, we're not going to. So well, I'm going to defend these well-meaning men today i will not have you disrespect these I, have, men. I have the bear on on my mind because i just started watching it and they and joel McHale tells the lead that he is a short man's complex so, i mean he does he, the bear does kind of have a short man's complex which is great we all he's a short king so yeah like i just we the the trailer for napoleon just came out today they were recording this and like in the first shot joaquin phoenix is he's playing napoleon and he's like taller than somebody i'm like wait napoleon was like five feet tall like and that's literally why we call it a Napoleonic complex. Like, wh is what this Joaquin Phoenix ironically not wanting to look shorter than people? I don't know. Like, it's a weird I, choice. Yeah, have I? I know Robert Downey Jr.'s uh, very sensitive to that because that's why you watch his little any, lifts. His his little lifts. <laughs> he, he has Gwyneth Paltrow barefoot in every scene. They're standing next to each other, and if you ever notice. He's always got like these track pants on with really wide leg bottoms, like almost like what are those called? 
Bell-bottoms, um, kind of. Yeah, almost bell-bottoms, and it's because of his lifts. He's trying to hide the lifts. Yeah, so it's like, like watch his... that, that, the, the main scene is like, you know, at that first Avengers uh, scene. <sighs> and it's like, she's barefoot walking around, and he's like, in his lifts, and it's like, still like, barely the same height. And you know, the saddest part is, granted, of course, we are seeing him in Hollywoodized versions of him where he does appear to be as tall as Gwyneth Paltrow, which is like never possible. I've loved Robert Downey Jr. No matter what, how height yeah. that man. Like it doesn't, man. Like, dude, be short. I be love short. it. Be short. So we're talking about tall, tall bros today. Tall though. bros today. So what I think is interesting to remember is the reason Boromir came to the Rivendell house in the first place is right is because of a dream Be but was it Faramir's dream or was it his it dream? was Faramir's had this dream for years like since they were teenagers had this dream and finally when Boromir had it and I don't know if it's because uh like like Sorry, I lost my train of thought. Uh, I don't know if it's because like his father like finally took the dream serious because Boromir had it, or if they both ah. felt connected enough to like, okay, we've both had this dream. We need to find answers. And then that's when they went to um like their dad. And I think it's a little bit of both, probably. Well, and Faramir was on the front lines because Gondor is close to Mordor, right? Yeah. So they've been in battle with this was right after, uh, like, once Gollum escaped mm -hmm. from Mordor, Sauron sent out his forces to, one, to kill Gollum, and two, to test the strength of Gondor. And one was, obviously, they didn't kill Gollum because Aragorn got to him first. I actually didn't know that. Yeah, I just learned this today. Um, and uh, they fought, I can't remember where they fought. I, it wasn't at Pelennor. It was, I think it was close to Osgiliath that they fought. Um. Oh, like yes, the, yes. the crossroads um, and Boromir and Faramir were the only survivors. They won the battle, but Boromir and Faramir had to swim away from the battle to survive. Wow. Wow. So Boromir gets sent be also because of Denethor favoring him. And yeah. I think that I think you're right. It's probably like a handful of both. Right. Oh, Boromir had the dream. Then it must be serious or and Faramir's busy. But, but I think that's what's interesting, and it's not talked about in the movies at all. There's not enough time. But Denethor does, is farsighted. He can see things in the ether and that, that we can And that's see. my defense, is that Denethor does, like, the, the, the Palantir is, like, described, looked as very evil in the movie. And that's because Sauron has, like, domain over them. But Denethor Only one. Do he only has domain over one of them. Yeah, he only has domain over one of them, but that's just how powerful he is. Um, but... Denethor does use the Palantir for years, years and years and years to combat Mordor. Like, really? He, yeah, years and years and years because he's a very, no, like, it says he's a very knowledge seeking person. Mm -hmm. And so he uses it to combat Mordor for a long time before he eventually succumbs to, like, the evil of Sauron. Like, in the same way, like, that's very similar to Boromir, where, like, his heart is in the right place, but. His, just, his reasons things are, are just tough. more powerful like sometimes you just can't fight you can't win these fights well i think that's interesting and i never thought about the, it this way but i i would say 
Um, Denethor and the other king, who I can't remember always. I do. The, I either remember one of them or or the other. Um, the blonde one. Um, Aemir. Aem. No, Aemir's the the nephew of that king that I'm thinking. Theoden. Theoden. Theoden and, and Denethor are both weakened by Sauron, but in different ways. Yes. And I never thought of Denethor as having been weakened by Sauron, but of course he was in a much different way. So what, and, and this is actually speaks to Sauron's smartness. Like he knew he had to physically de- deplete um, Theoden in order to keep him weak and Denethor he wore him down emotionally to the point where he was a wreck and he's like oh both my kids are done I have nothing left to give because yeah. um, I view them as foils I feel like there's good and bad ways to rule your country based off of both of those men um, but Denethor's fortitude and self sense of self is is depleted differently than Theoden's is. and that's why um I, we'll talk more about it maybe when we talk about Aomer and Eowyn but that's why like well I remember originally watching Two Towers and I was kind of upset at the way they portrayed Theoden mm. because I knew Denethor and what he was gonna be I was like wow both kings like kings of men are gonna look like really bad sure because in the in the books like once Theoden is like Unsauraman, like poison healed, he's about he's about that life. Oh yeah, he is ready to fight. He is like sitting restless, you know, in his throne room in Helm's Deep. Like he's he's all about it. Front lines. Yeah, and yeah. like you get a little bit of you definitely get that in Return of the King Theoden, but just like the whole of Two Towers, and it makes sense because he knows the fight is hopeless, but like he doesn't know what else to do. But just like it was, it was a very different portrayal. And same with like Denethor, where. Denethor didn't seem very smart in the movies. They but did like he not was. portray him that way. He yeah. didn't know how to eat a, a tomato. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Very true. <laughs> like, his pride, like, got in the way of, like, doing so many things. And, um, you know, like, oh, like, let's retake Pelennor. And I think he does that in the book, too. But just, like, before that moment, like, he did keep Mordor at bay for quite a few years before, like, the official War of the Rings started. Which would be a good reason why he was exhausted past a certain point. And to be fair, in the book, they didn't actually... I'm sorry, to be fair, in the movie, and rather than the book for Theoden... um, he they have him dwelling on the loss of his son pretty heavily. Like it yes. grieves him in a very big way. Um, speaking of Boromir, I was very conf- like loss of son and going back to Boromir. I was very confused when we were me and Alex were reading it again. Like how did and where did Faramir see the boat with Boromir in it, and that's how he knew he was dead. But what I finally realized is kind of hard because Alex has been reading it to me to remember the exact wording, but Faramir just dreams that Boromir. He can't remember if it was a dream or if it was real. Because it shouldn't be real because the boat that they laid Boromir in fell off a waterfall. So yes. his body's not going to be perfectly intact, but they did then eventually find find the cloven horn. Yes, they did find the horn, which was yeah, part of can't... the dream as well. Exactly, and then and like the the quote from from Faramir and Boromir's dream that he says uh, at the Council of Elrond, it says, "Seek for the sword that was broken, and in Ladris it dwells. Uh, there shall be counsel taken stronger than Morgul spells. There shall be shown a token that doom is near at hand. For wow. Sealder's bane shall shall waken, and the halfling 
forth shall stand. Whoa. So like Faramir had this dream for a long time. I just got chills. And I feel like that goes into like him being more like kind of self-aware about what is happening. And maybe that's why he can resist the temptation of the ring is that he had this dream for years and years and years. And even if you don't know what it means, because Pippin, oh. they say Pippin was the first hobbit to ever set foot in Minas Tirith, so they've never seen them. Right. So they didn't They're know like, what the halfling was. It wasn't yeah. a dwarf. Yeah, it was like this mythical creature that they'd only like heard of in stories, you know, maybe from Gandalf, honestly. Um, but just like having that kind of foresight of what's happening or what's to come, even if you don't understand it. And then Boromir has this dream one time. It's like, all right, well, I guess I'm going to Rivendell. I don't know where Rivendell is or if it actually exists or, you know, in, La in Ladris, but we're going to go. Takes him three months to get there. Does half of the journey on foot oh my because God. all the roads are broken and orc infested and everything and then gets there apparently just in the perfect time to seek the Council of Elrond and then it's like, oh, this is what's going on. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I got to get back to Minas Tirith because we're fighting the fight right now. You guys are just talking about the fight. So I guess I'll hitch a ride with the Fellowship. Keeps trying to go to Minas Tirith. It's like, hey, Poor let's guy. not go. Let's not go into Moria. Hey, let's not do... Uh, Karadras. Let's uh <laughs> let's not do Lorien. Um let's just can we can we just stop? <laughs> can we, can I just go home? I need to go home. Uh, My daddy needs me. Yeah. And so like he he means so well, but everything just goes against him so many times. Yeah, I don't think you can fault him for wanting something that would ease the plight of his people. Now, Granted, I think if you carry over the resentment that Denethor has to not actually being king and allow Boromir to be affected by that, I'm sure he's seeing the potential. I'll have the king, I'll save our people, or I'll have the ring, I'll save our people, and I'll get to rule the throne as well. But his, he really did. He, wa he wanted Aragorn to come back with him. Yeah. He wanted Aragorn to be in the rightful place. Like, he wasn't trying to kill Aragorn to become king. no 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 this is no power play he really like he really did mean it and not in a way of like oh if my father gets this ring he can help he really thought the ring could be a weapon because like if you're raised that way you're like we, we go back to this with everything like you gotta he probably didn't get outside of his little minister bubble that much I and can't so imagine he did and so if your dad is a really smart person well-read person has the plantier like plantiered person <laughs> plantiered person like you're gonna listen to him and yeah. so and though but he's not like oh i need to keep my dad in power he's like oh no let's like he even says it in the movies like let's strike out from a place of strength like right we're in the we're in the wilderness right now we're barely suffer like we're barely making it through in the book they just shoot down a nazgul like they're like so they're beset on all sides and and it like it it makes perfect sense of like his train of reasoning like leading up to what happens to him and he's and I, it's like this moment of weakness and you know he immediately snaps out of it and realizes everything uh, he's done heartbreak heartbreaking gosh sean like what a role by sean bean is that like you have half of a movie literally half of a movie to endear us to this character to like there's something off about this guy but then you know that performance when he like you know when he falls and oh, then he goes Frodo like 
I could never even begin to imagine acting that well in that moment because you do believe him. You do believe like, oh, my God, this guy just messed up so bad and he knows he messed and up. knows it. Yeah. And and it works. So like the genius of Peter, Peter Jackson is that it goes from his like obviously cries of like remorse and sorrow to where what Frodo hears with the ring on is like these terrifying screams like he's still after him. And it's like. Oh, that's such good filmmaking right there to where that's why Frodo kept running is that the ring was like like thwarting what these cries of help for like these cries of terror and like I'm still coming after you. Oh, you're making it so much sadder and worse. It's so now. sad. It's, it's so, so sad. sad. And then, you know, obviously his death scene is one of the the best scenes of of acting, you know, like him saying, "Oh, they took the little ones." Like and like it's those moments where I'm like Oh, yeah, he's not actually edge. dying. Like, he, it's one of those, like, just really good pieces of acting where it's like those simple things where you're like, oh, yeah, he's not full of arrows. This is just like, he He'll just like fine. laying on the ground, you know, in 70 degree weather, <laughs> just breathing really hard. And it's like, that's how good these guys are at their job is that he made you believe that he was dying. These are his final breaths. And the first thing he cares about is not himself, but like they took the hobbits. They took the little ones. Which honestly, the wherewithal to know to tell that's like he has yeah. five he has five words left in him, right? And the wherewithal yeah. to tell Aragorn they're not gone or they're not dead. You that that sets that literally is the entire next book because yes. Because because he had the wherewithal to say that. Yeah, and I love uh, that he says little ones and not like halflings or something. It's like know. how much he like, and you don't see that get that a lot in the book. But you know, and I this is the one thing is that I get why they cut the extended cuts. There's obviously even as the biggest fan of these movies and of this world, I'm like, eh, yeah, I get you know why they didn't have like the elves leaving or you know even Tom Bombadil. I know it's not in the movies or anything and stuff like that. But I will never forgive them for all the extra Boromir stuff that they cut. Like <sighs> him training Merry and Pippin with the swords and then wrestling on the ground. Amazing. And then the stuff in the second movie is literally like heresy so that they it's cut. cathartic. Him retaking Osgiliath and then the, the scene with Denethor where like they clearly. And this is what both videos say because I watched. Uh, it's called The Broken Sword for Boromir. And then I watched Nerd of the Rings for for Faramir mm. both videos said no matter how much their father favored Boromir they were never rivals they never competed against each other it only brought them together so it, it's like this beautiful brotherhood like they forged over time where like they only wanted the best for each other they loved each other so much and in that one scene and I know we talk about like last week we were kind of hard on the movies with Gimli but just like Peter Jackson does such an amazing job and the actors do such an amazing job of just like that one scene in Osgiliath where it's like, can he not give us a moment of peace? And then you see like Boromir sticking up for him, Faramir offering to go to Rivendell, which he should have. Yes. Faramir should have yeah. been the one to go. He yeah. was the ranger. He was more learned in books. He, he knew exactly be... what Frodo was holding Without yes. Frodo telling him what was He up. would not have been, like, he had the dream. He would not have been surprised by what was going on. He would have been like, oh, got it. Okay, we're in this. Let's go. He wouldn't have been tempted nope. in the same way. I think like, all of them were tempted. Faramir. I totally, And Boromir totally could have stayed and easily, you know, done a lot better on the battles of, of Pelennor because he wouldn't have been sent out, you know, to 
Osgiliath might have been able to hold Osgiliath because he sure. was a better soldier. It's sure. okay to say that. Bormir was a better soldier than Faramir. Faramir even says that. So it's just like, then that's like the mistakes that Denethor made uh, like do mount up even though he meant well because you do want to send, you know, Boromir is the starter. He is the starting pitcher yeah. and Faramir, you know, he's a good closer, but, you know, he can't pitch nine innings or something like that. Uh, forever putting sports references into this incredibly fantastic. nerdy podcast. No, it's fantastic. You're speaking, just so you know, we were raised as both nerds and athletes. So yes, absolutely. This is where it works for me. And weren't you saying, were you sharing, was it last week that Boromir was supposed to be the better version of an ancestor that had come previously? Yes, he was compared to the last king of Gondor. The ah, last yes. king of Gondor who fought against the Witch King of Angmar, and he was so good that the Witch King of Angmar challenged him to single combat, not once, but twice. Jesus. And the second time, he agreed and took a small company of men to meet a Smorgul and was never seen again. Because ah. we all know the forces of Mordor don't fight fair. So no. there's no such thing as single combat when you control like the largest army in the world. So yeah, you just, you just say it. You do what you do. You do what you, you do. Gotta what you do. do. <laughs> because even when um, I can't remember which elf it was because they all get lost. <sighs> he challenged uh, Morgoth to single combat and he was doing OK. And then the Balrogs came and beat him to death. So, right. You know. <laughs> I almost ha Alex is going to be so disappointed because I feel like he told me the story, but it, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, to your point, your earlier point about Peter Jackson and what he accomplishes and chooses to not, you know, put in the film or uh, omit for the extended version. Uh, first of all, you are, we are talking about really amazing movies and his shorthand to make film was important. He it was smart yes. to make Elrond a protective father. It was helpful to make Gimli the the comic relief to yes. some extent. And it was helpful to not include, you know, for the shorthand of it all, to not show Boromir being a totally great guy at points so that his redemption's even more strong if we don't watch the uh if we don't watch the extended versions. However, the hill I will die on is that Faramir is done dirty. They Done so dirty. They, like, he really does not show the best of that man and has several opportunities with which to do so. And, that, and that's the thing is that that was also like a disappointment that if it wasn't, you know, for Sam's rousing speech, which we'll, we'll get to Sam <laughs> one of these days and, and number one boy right there. Um <laughs> Because of those stories. Oh, what a speech. Uh, I, I'll, I'll, I'll do my best to not have that be our opening quote. <laughs> that entire I, you speech. You should. It's fantastic. We'll get I, Alex I in for it. It's yeah. probably one of the best meta things on the planet. It's so yes. good. It needs, it, it, needs it, to... it applies to so many things. Yeah. But just like in the book, and I like I watch it. He's, he, he does have, you know, like here I have the, you know, two, two halflings, a host of men at my call, and the ring of power within arm's reach. But I don't want it. Yes. I don't need it. You're good. Peace out. That's that's it. That's all he does. Like, In a weird way, he's empathizing yes. with Frodo because he already intimates what his last interaction was with his brother. Yeah. And and you could interpret that as him saying, I have every reason to, to turn on you right yes. now. You have every reason to be afraid of me. But I, but that could be a way of empathizing with him. Like, I understand the position I've put you in. I 
I think it's an interesting choice also from Tolkien's perspective to give us Faramir and also not have him tested or tempted because Aragorn just straight up isn't. Aragorn just, or, or maybe fights the urge, right? And Faramir fights the urge. I think it's an interesting choice to not let Aragorn be the only one who seems like the stand-up human against it. But it and, works. And that's the thing is, I think it's less of like Faramir fighting the ring more than like Faramir fighting his father. Like the Maybe ghost of his takes, father mm. fighting over him of like, you need to bring this back. You need to fill the shoes of your brother. You need to do this and do that. And like, and, and also for his people, because again, everyone doesn't know, like you think of this powerful ring as something of like that only one person can wield it, but you know how powerful it is. And so it's like, oh, maybe we can use it. Yeah. Maybe we can use it. And so. Just use it for a little bit and put it back. Exactly. And, you know, and like even, you know, Denethor says that in the extended version, only like to, to put it away and only to be used at like the gravest of dangers. So like even at like his most corrupted, he's still like, yeah, you know, we're not going to use it all the time. But, you know, when the, when the enemies are at, uh, breaking down the gates with Grand, maybe I'll put it on and do some work. But that's not how it works. But they don't know that. They don't only like we as like, you know, the God's eye third person point yes. of view know that because we have all the information. We've seen all the perspectives, but they don't know that. And neither does Faramir, but he still doesn't succumb to it. And that's such a bigger thing because Aragorn does have more knowledge about it. He was at the Council of Elrond. He was raised by elves and every learned person and immortal beings. So like, yeah, he knows. And, and in the book, heir. Aragorn he's is like, heir. he's the heir. And in the book, Aragorn's like day one i'm gonna be king like he's singing that i just can't yes. wait to be king like, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> him and arwen i just can't wait to, to be, be king, king. <laughs> and elrond's the friggin yeah he's the he's uh zazu zazu <laughs> not yet <laughs> or gandalf like yeah because you're so right because in the movies Aragorn's like, ah, I don't want to, I just straight yeah that's it. his hero's journey is like the you know which works and it, again it works because you don't like, you know, it's the same thing like in Game of Thrones. You don't want the king to want to be king. You want him to be like begrudgingly f almost forced upon him of like, that's the leader you want. Is and like, Aragorn is king just in how he behaves. He's, al yes. he's already a king, man. He's the king. Uh, king behavior all the way through. All day king. He's a tall king. <laughs> tall king, 6'6". Six, six. <laughs> a little too tall. Uh, six, I'm going to go on record just be between you and me. You're a tall man. You're not 6'6", six, six, though. You're six I'm two. six foot. I'm six foot. Six six is a little tall for me. I'm gonna. It's it hits a it hits a wall for me. Just just seeing you guys six six. Uh, Kobe Bryant is six six. So just know that Aragorn I'm him. would be defending Kobe Bryant in the <laughs> NBA Finals, and I'm not gonna lie. As the sun, Aragorn would lock him down. Like you, I, no, I no no no. Yes, Aragorn's a team player. And Aragorn, I'm just saying on defense. I'm not like Kobe's great, and Kobe's is Michael Jordan is Michael Jordan six six? I mean, I want to say six four or six. No, he's six six. Shoot! Nice save. Thanks. Um, but I'm saying both Kobe and Michael are gonna have problems against Aragorn. I don't know. I don't know. I I'm gonna have to disagree with you, but I can understand just on. Okay. Now we're talking book Aragorn, who's 87. You want to see Aragorn in his 30s? <laughs> okay, you bring up a different point. 25 okay. year old Aragorn, 6'6", going up against. Are we 
He's killing them. He's murdering them. You're totally right. You're totally right. I don't know. I, like, I'm just imagining Aragorn posting them up. Uh. Now, defense, like, you know, it's going to be just like Michael and Kobe, are like two of the five greatest players to ever play the game, obviously. But I'm just saying, 27-year-old <laughs> Rivendell raised Aragorn <laughs> going in the post. The, the Elrond sons. <laughs> like, you know, playing 90s, like, elbow-in-your-face basketball. Come yeah, on Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. You know, there is a world where Boromir and Aragorn played one-on-one -on -one for sure, first to 20. Oh, absolutely. I'd pay to see that movie. I'd pay. And you know, I... And that, yeah, that that'd be a good game. The someone, both of them are bleeding and in different places. You know what I mean? Like someone definitely sprains two. Yeah, they got they both got the movie cuts, like you know the one across the bridge of your mm -hmm. nose mm -hmm. that may, like you can still look good with, mm -hmm. and then the other one's got like the bloody lip, like the just the the unmoving blood trail. Like and one right of them there. can't use their like right hand for the rest of the match because it's got broke, but they can still yeah. Bleed. You know what I exactly. mean? Exactly. That's also another point, though, to the Boromir-Aragorn relationship and in general. This movie does a lot for platonic male love, which I think is really important. Uh, yeah, Boromir like loved Aragorn. Truly. Genuinely. He loved him, and then, you know, Boromir and Faramir, like, you know, I, Ted Lasso got a lot of credit for, you know, like... Um, disassembling you know toxic masculinity and there's sure. you know it's really well done especially like in professional men's sports um but just like the love and like the fact that like they didn't they weren't rivals they weren't like always trying to best each other or anything mm -hmm. like that like there's so much positive masculinity in these stories and it's so it's so very needed it's so very needed and just like everything about it and i've seen a lot of like aragorn tiktoks because of like his positive masculinity of just like, he's not afraid to, sh to, to show love to who he loves. And it was like, he was never competing with anybody. He was never trying to best anybody. He would like, and, no and he was still really a warrior yeah. and he was still a leader. He was still able to fight, you know, the, the idea of like the strong, unemotional man, um, is it's not a new idea, but it's not the only version of a man out there that can accomplish multiple things. Yes, very and, true. And and Peter Jackson, I know, I know, other countries have less hard of a time with you know showing those kind of loving relationships, and we have there's a lot more homosex uh, homophobia in our culture, American culture. But it, I think mm. it left a big impact on a bunch of dudes out here um it did i mean like you see like even like vigo Mortensen as him, himself like you know would go around like, like oh yeah you'd get a nice big headbutt from vigo every time you were on set and just like it's it's just the sweetest thing like hearing these like if you ever have time you know watch the behind the scenes stuff where like they're making fun of orlando bloom for you know cracking a rib and never shutting up about it <laughs> it's like oh i love a crack and it's like yeah and, you know the day one is like oh you cracked your rib i'm so sorry and then day two Oh, it's still cracked. Oh, you're still talking about? It? Okay. Day three, it's like, oh, did you crack a rib? Oh, baby. <laughs> and it's just like, it's such great stuff to where they had such fun with each other. And they really did form a family with everything. And just like, you know, Ian McKellen, you know, being a, a proud out homosexual in, you know, in the 1990s, like wasn't known. It wasn't a big thing. And like, even like my parents, like, oh, yeah, Ian McKellen's gay. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that. Because, like, 
you didn't hear about that. You know, we had Tom Hanks playing, you know, gay men in movies, not correct. Yeah. And so it's just like, it's such a positive reinforcement of so many different things. And you don't see that a lot. And it's really refreshing. Yeah, um, I, that's totally true. And and not even a question. It wasn't. Yeah, that's very cool. Um, so question, if if we send Faramir to if he if he decides to go to Rivendell, mm-hmm. how's the movie different? What do we get? How's <sighs> the a- book different? I always wondered that because I wonder, you know, even if the fellowship, you know, didn't break, could it have been done? And I don't know. You know, it's like one of those like perfectly chaotic things that like Mm -hmm. everything had to happen as it did, because I don't know if nine people could have, you know, got. Did they know how to navigate Emin Emin Muil? Did they could they have gotten through that? Could Gandalf have gotten through that? They didn't even know where they wanted to go or what was going to happen next. They just knew they needed to leave Rivendell. Yeah, like they didn't really have a plan after they Moria, they honestly. To leave. They knew yeah. they needed to leave. And, and they so, didn't know how they were going to get. They didn't know if they were going to go to Minas Tirith. It, inter- interestingly enough, with the loss of Boromir, it sort of made the decision for them. That's the thing is that like, would they have gone to Minas Tirith and what would have happened? Would they have been like for like forced to turn over the ring to Denethor or like would they have tried to keep, you know, they probably would have tried to keep the, the quest secret. But, you know, if four hobbits, a wizard, an elf and a dwarf show up your, at your door with a sealed door's air. Oh, yeah, we're just passing through seeing the sights. <laughs> just checking out, you know, seven tiered countries yeah. Yeah. just no checking off the old bucket list <laughs> <laughs> what knows to the glittering caves yeah we, yeah we had moria we had uh you know isengard uh yeah. <laughs> now we want to see the white tower of Ecthelion. like no big deal um, what's going on with that tree though oh important. yeah look at that uh, <laughs> so like just even without fairmir like just even if the the fellowship had stayed together like i really don't know if it could have been accomplished um because but even i think frodo was scared right even yeah. frodo didn't know what to do until he knew he had to go to mori uh, uh, yeah until galadriel tells him like either you will do this or no one will like, well but i but i but so like in the book if we're going back to the book mm-hmm. um when oh god it's it's so gut-wrenching because you can see boromir what he's doing a mile away and it's yeah. so uncomfortable. He's like putting his arm around Frodo. He's really trying to scare him with like the potential of what's going. And Frodo's already scared about what it means to go to Mordor as the only ring bearer. Yeah. He doesn't know what to do. And he's being torn by two men. He loves Aragorn and Boromir tell him two different things. And they're all grieving the loss of Gandalf. And it wasn't until Boromir turns on him that he realized I got to get the heck out of here and go to Mordor. And that's because like it's death one way or the other way. Yeah. And it, so there, there's no winning in the, in Frodo's situation. And that's like the sad part about it. So it's just, I don't know. It, it is such a good, like what if question. And I'm sure like plenty of videos have covered it and I'm sure there's better answers out there than what we're giving. But I, I am super curious of, like, if they could have made it through Emin Wheel, like, would they have taken the crossroads? Would they have gone to, to Kirith Ungol? Like, would they have tried to slay Shelob and force their way through? Like, what are the, they, yeah, they got through. They got through because Frodo got captured and Sam 
snuck in like the right. smallest and most un unknowing of, of creatures that Sora never had a clue about got it done and even then like everything had to line up because would the battle of Pelennor fields have taken place because would would Aragorn have challenged him with the the plantier if he's still on this mission of secrecy and not riding with an open. army yeah and so like would would the plains of Gorgoroth been <laughs> emptied Gorgoroth. and so it's there's so many what if factors of like yeah i i still think you know faramir was the right choice just because of who he was as a person and and you know he wouldn't have you know succumbed to it he wouldn't have you know like been tempted by it and maybe the fellowship wouldn't have broken but maybe that needed to happen for the quest to succeed i think that's right um because because you're totally right it's the best laid plans of men right often go yeah. awry um, it's like you know like not even like taking faith in like do you want to have life laugh at you you know make plans <laughs> yes I, I love that uh that's actually one of my favorite quotes of all time is uh, life is what happens to you when you're busy making other plans yeah um my my next question is why does Denethor dislike Faramir so much and my initial thought is 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 or my question is, is does Faramir remind him of himself too much or like the weak part of Denethor that doesn't just declare he's king or got like I just I wonder what it is I think it has to do I think it's like a, an amalgamation of like a few things of like he reminds him of himself too much and like maybe you know Denethor was like that knowledge seeking person that had to put a lot of it aside to like oh I want to learn about you know boats today oh you can't the orcs are attacking. Mm -mm. And so like all of his knowledge went to keeping his people alive and there was no room for any kind of joy. It was all work. Like any knowledge that he wow, had to sure. learn about, it was just the survival of his people. And Faramir didn't have to worry about that so much. Yeah. Because he was the second son. Yeah. He still was fighting for the country, but yeah. he had a little more leeway. But yeah. He, like, he wasn't captain of the guard. He wasn't looked upon in that way. Um, and you know, maybe Denthor blamed him for the death of his mother. That's what I was wondering. And, and actually maybe less reminding himself of himself, but does he remind Denethor of his wife more? I, th I think that's so. Uncomfortable. I, I think that's a big part of it because they like both videos said that like after the death of, of his wife and their mother, that he became like a much more dark and quiet person. That's so interesting. So what I just saw here, too, is the mother had been sick for four years. Yes. And so if she dies when Faramir's five, that's a shell of a woman. Yes. Like, that's also incredibly sad. Like, Yeah. <laughs> the women don't do well in Tolkien's no, world. No, <laughs> they sure don't. Unless, unless you're Eowyn or Arwen. Or an elf. And, yeah, and unless all, you're a win or an elf, and that's it. And it's all stacked against you when it comes to that. Yeah, you know? even Arwen, like, after her husband dies, does, does not have a great life. So. That's pretty depressing. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was really sad for about two hours after we did that. No, I, when I read that, I was like, oh, my, oh my God. It's <laughs> so bad. It's really, really screwed up. I mean... I think that's partially what's so beautiful and why this story had, you know, 
does the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe have staying power? And we're just, you know, if you refer to C.S. Lewis, that's a contemporary and friend of mm-hmm. Tolkien. But why isn't it the same epic for everyone in the same it, way Tolkien is? I think, oh, like, do you mean like the books? Because I think the books still stick around. They do. But the but the way people have internalized and uh, personalized the Lord of the Rings it doesn't happen on the same level with The Lion and the Witch and the Wardrobe, which is in itself an epic tale. Uh, you know, people come in to save the day. I, my, I guess my grander question is, what is it about this story in general that makes it still so relevant and impactful to us today? Mm-hmm. And my thought process is, is that it's got both the hard and the good parts of the life experience. I think that has a lot to do with it. Um, I really, I need to rewatch Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. I do think, like at least, like for pop culture wise, I think it's because the the next two movies weren't as strong. And people read the books. Don't get me wrong. You're yeah, totally yeah, yeah. right that they're there. But just like you know, like the zeitgeist does have to do with like you know with movies with everything else. So it's just like. But I was like, so stoked to watch the movie because I had already read the book. Oh, same. So you're gonna and like even before I had read I had read the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And again, it's not it's not fair to be like one's better than the other or, but something about the Lord of the Rings has it permeates and is and is consistent and probably will be for a very, very long time. Very much the same way that I imagine the Beatles. Uh, There was a great thing from a book, like an encyclopedia or like, you know, the encyclopedia of today. The, The theory is that the rock and roll will be a footnote to the Beatles in upcoming encyclopedias. So the biggest band in the universe will be how people explain that era rather than, so rock and roll was huge. Yeah. People will still will say the Beatles were huge. See rock and roll. <laughs> yeah. Like that's, it, it's stuff that doesn't go away. It's, it's Beethoven stuff, right? It's yeah. Like when you say stuff. the word like fantasy, Lord of the Rings is like yeah. what comes to mind. Like maybe Game of Thrones is up there just because of like recency bias. But and will it be going? up there in tw- 200 years? I don't know. It, that's tough because especially with the way Game of Thrones ended and now, you know, I like the first season of House of Dragons. I think it did very well, but it's also not for all ages. <laughs> and so it's. And so I think that's also part of the staring, staying power for Lord of the Rings. Too. Yeah. And, and Lion, Witch and the Wardrobe is so skewed younger. Even though I'm sorry, Return of the King Extended Edition is rated R in my mind. Sure. Sure. I, okay. Can can someone if someone wants to leave a comment or something, can y'all tell me? The scene where they catapult the decapit when they say release oh the prisoners God. is that in the regular movie? I haven't seen the regular movie in God knows how long, and I don't mean to be like a, a snob about it. No, I just you're haven't. Not. Uh, so like I was wondering, is like I don't remember if that's like in the theatrical cut or not because if it is, I don't know how they got past the MPA with that one because that is bonkers is that like their one f word they get like one decapitated head it might be because i know i remember like a famous example was like dark knight Uh i think i read that if there was one drop of blood in dark knight it's rated r because there's so much shooting and violence and you know like someone gets the you know their face cut off and you know right right on screen but there's no blood anywhere in the movie and so that's 
that's how they did it. And, you know, you watch, you're going to watch Guardians whenever it comes out. And there's so many, like, creature, like, dissection with, like, green blood and ooze. And somehow that's okay. It's something about, in Quentin Tarantino, uh, Kill Bill. Like, he made that scene black and white to make the movie not NC-17, you know, the crazy 88 scene. And so even though there's spraying blood, rivers, fountains, everything, because it's not red, it's okay. Whoa. It's it's so arbitrary and dumb. I don't understand it. And the fact that you can say one F word in a PG-13 movie and that's okay. But if you say two, I think like The Martian is like the best example where like there is one F word. And then you see him like type it out one time and then he's like in the rover and it's like muffled. But he's like, oh, and you kind of hear it. I'm like, that's really good. Like they got away with like two extra F words in this movie. I don't know how. But that's exactly it. It's more a game with the FCC than it is anything. I'll I will sing the praises of the good place for years on end. Oh, yeah. Because boy, did they figure out how to work around that ingeniously. And it never got old. It Mm -mm. never got old. Actually, another anecdote is Tina Fey with Mean Girls saying that they had these like crazy jokes in the in the writing. And the FCC was like, we can't you can't do that. That's. It's going to make it an R-rated movie, essentially. Yeah. And she said the challenge of having to rewrite those actually afforded them to be even more disgusting because they had to be more clever. (laughs) I love it. you can take it as a challenge, but that would be my guess. So, yeah, please, if you're one of our Patreon members uh, or uh, one of the people who's got to get shout out, uh, Jesse Glassby or a.k.a. Arsenal Roy 2K, thanks for being a Patreon member, or just listening to us, uh, you could let us know if that's actually in... The extended cut only. Yeah, I'm Because really I can't. Curious. I wouldn't know. Yeah, like, because that scene is just so wild to me. It's just like, because I, I remember, maybe it is in the theaters, where because I, I remember seeing like, oh, they got prisoners? <laughs> oh, no, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's horrifying. I'm, it's horrifying. It's one thing to do it and like kind of hint at it like, oh, those are heads. But then like they zoom in and they're like, all the faces are like these anguish and in pain, like, like they're they're still frozen in the last moments of terror before they got sliced in half. Like it's gruesome. Yeah, totally. I'm with you. Great. What a great note to like slowly wind down this podcast. Um, but I think we can potentially talk more about uh, Eowyn and Fer- um, Faramir's relationship um, when we get to Eowyn. Um, because one of the things I thought was really smart that we figured out when we were talking about Mary and Pippin, how they both individually kept alive the those two, and then and they end up finding each other. And they're such wonderful people that they deserved each other, truly. Yeah, and uh, Pippin named his second son Faramir. Which is just gorgeous. It's just, just gorgeous. such a sweet, sweet thing. Um, but is there any takeaway, anything you thought about differently with Boromir or Denethor? Did we... Do, or did we apologize for Denethor enough in this? I think, you know, like, they're not evil. They're just misguided. Human. Humans. They're human. They're just human in that, like, both of both Boromir and, and Denethor were acting in the best interest of what they thought the best interest of Gondor was because they had been fighting. I'm sorry, like, they were on the front lines. Like, this is like some 1917 World War One right. stuff where you right. can literally see your enemy base, you know, 10 miles away, maybe like right. if if not, probably closer. I don't know what the distance is between Mordor and Minas Tirith is, but it's not far. 
And so when you're facing that, you are looking for any and everything to help save your people. And they were misinformed that the one ring could be that thing. And they both acted on that in their own different ways. And then when uh, Bormir died, his his uh, despair got the better of him. And it's very unfortunate, but it happens. To an even more interesting point based off of that, they were on the front lines for some time. It is no mean point for Bormir to drop it and come to Rivendell on a whim, on a yeah. dream. That says something too. Like, you especially know what? after important. they had just fought the basically the first battle of the War of the Ring, and he had lost all of his men besides and his brother. He's got he, he he definitely was like on a pilgrimage at that point. He's like I he probably was on a walkabout. He's like I gotta go do something else, right? Yeah, <laughs> and then like he lost his horse, and he's on foot, and it takes him three yes. months, and he doesn't know the way, and he's getting lost. Doesn't even know if this place actually exists. Saw it in a dream. And went to go seek the counsel of like these immortal beings, and then somehow is like, okay, I'll I'll tag along for this fellowship to get this job done, and then hopefully I'll make it back home to see my family again and my people and my city that I have nearly died to protect more than once. Ultimately, he did die to protect it. I would argue yes, as absolutely. well. And this is a very strange takeaway, but just follow me on this a little bit. I don't necessarily have like a higher power that's like a white bearded dude in the sky. But I do believe that life is filled with coincidences. And if you learn how to trust your gut a little bit more and go with the flow rather than, you know, go against the tide, uh, life tends to guide you in certain ways. So it's interesting. He decides to go. He's following his gut. He loses his horse. All signs point to you're not going the right. Why are you doing this? But he's still had he been there earlier or later, he would have missed the council. You know what I mean? There's certain yeah. things that like. Something divine. Yeah. And I think that does. I think our stomach or our gut or our head or our experience when it's at the least clouded it possibly can be does act like a divining rod. I feel like it's going, OK, I actually go this way. And Bormir lost out ultimately to an evil did but but also that evil needed to happen in order to set along the story and make things happen it was the one end game possibility thank you dr strange it really was like you know i i feel like i don't know but it does feel like the russo brothers took it from that where it's like it could only be this way like you know the avengers could have you know tag team thanos and ganged up on him and maybe they would have beaten him that day but then that he... porn oh yeah exactly it was really good <laughs> I'm sorry I'm uh, sorry. uh but then he would have come back in a different way and so like like we didn't know that it was that one time in infinity war but then he came back in endgame it was like oh this is the one time he had to win for us to win later right and that that was the thing uh so we'll end on this lovely quote from faramir I do not love the bright sword for its sharpness, nor the arrow for its swiftness, nor the warrior for his glory. I only love what they defend. Stop. Faramir's great, man. Full chills. What a beautiful thing to end on. Uh, ben, what's going on with you? What do you What do you got? Go you got some uh, reviews going up. I know you put a review up of the Indiana Jones. Yeah, just doing movie reviews right now. Uh, I'm uh, finishing up the Mission Impossible series before Dead Reckoning comes out oh, tomorrow. Sick, Very sick. excited for that. Uh, but yeah, check it out. Awesome. And that's at Patreon forward slash The Ben Goddard? 
Uh, no, just uh, Ben got it on YouTube. Oh, oh okay. Word. Yeah. Um, and you can get involved with us a couple different ways. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash pod of the rings. Uh, same handle on Twitter. You could follow our Instagram also, uh, which is podcast of the rings. And you could also just stay tuned for next week where I get to decide who we're going to talk about. And you know who I want to talk about? Who do you want to talk about? I want to talk about Gandy Daddy. Gandy Gand- Daddy, let's go. Gandalf Daddy. Because I feel like we can talk about other things in proxy that aren't like main fellowship people by talking about Gandy. So let's do it. Let's do it. I'm about it. Okay, word. Uh, and until next time, Ben. Mayor Paz, meet again. You're nailing it, dude. <laughs>